Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 269th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the MSP studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great, Cameron. Life is good. Just talking a little sports. Sure. With, with my boys today. We're talking about Missouri basketball, who's good. Oh, yeah. Missouri football, who's good. Good. we got meaningful sports going on. Um, we didn't talk about this ahead of time, but that old college football playoff rankings came out. Yeah, they did. It's a little bit uh, like, I don't know the right word, but immediately everybody went into oh, a 12-team playoff. Missouri's ranked 12th. We'd be in the playoff next year. You know? Yeah. But that's not true because there's like automatic qualifiers. There's automatic bids mm. for like a Conferences. group of five conferences. I totally forgot about that. So I, I guess I was one of the sheep. I was one of them too until it was pointed out. And so, so it's, com- it's complicated then. Yeah, it's Missouri and Ole Miss and somebody else would be like Penn State would be on the outside looking in mm. with Air Force making it. That's a travesty. Yeah. Somebody said the things Ole Miss would do to Air Force on a football field would be like borderline criminal. <laughs> I'd say that's true of Mizzou as well. I'd, I mean, I'd still be happy to find out. Yeah, maybe we will. That'd be entertaining. In a bowl game or something. Um, yeah, so, yeah, false alarm there on making the 12-team playoff after, well, guess what? It's after only, week eight yes. in a season where that doesn't exist. Yeah, they came out in October, so. Yeah, um, yeah we're going to talk basketball. We're going to talk the biggest game in a decade almost for Mizzou football. Before we get into all of that, don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, leave us a review wherever you listen to us, and of course, you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Pod. And we're going to start with basketball. Last week, we talked about all the players on the roster, uh, sort of gave our predictions for who would be the top contributors and all that sort of thing. I named Nick Honor, Sean East, and Noah Carter as the heart and soul of this Missouri Tiger basketball team. Meat and potatoes. Yeah. Um, Is that like slightly insulting though? Like it's boring? meat and potatoes or like standard you can count on it it's a substance it could have been offensive i apologize if it was i like meat and potatoes that's Ah, something i really enjoy yeah what did you say substance substance yeah absolutely like the substance of a meal it's the most it's more it's very impactful part of the team yeah of the meal yeah that's like where you're getting most of your calories exactly okay um yeah, so how far can they take this Mizzou team and how quickly will the transfers come in and mesh and, you know, get everything rolling? Um, we don't necessarily have to go game by game just because, I don't know, there's just so many unknowns still for the Mizzou team and um, the SEC opponents. It's just kind of crazy how across college basketball each year, so many programs are just like reinventing themselves in one off season and good teams, bad teams, just transforming their roster in one off season to where you basically have to get like halfway through conference season before you know anything about, you know, what the top four teams are going to be when Mm -hmm. it's all said and done. Yeah. Small side note. I kind of feel like preseason rankings, like AP rankings, 
should not exist. Yeah. Because where you start affects how you move based on your wins and losses. And I just feel like there's some biases yeah. that come in there. And I actually really like what the college football playoff does by coming up with the rankings halfway through the season because yeah. there's actually some context. Right. And it's not just guessing and biases. Yeah. And they seem to do a good job of like not thinking about what happened last year yeah. and just looking at Georgia coming in at number two. Exactly. Yeah. And um, I like how the selection committee in recent years has been doing that like sneak peek at the bracket or like the top 16 teams, you know, halfway through the season. Yeah. They'll kind of give you an idea of how they're looking at all these teams. And if you're one of those, then it just allows you to keep track and follow along a little easier. Um, this is a little bit off topic, but Coach Gates is nonstop about expanding the NCAA tournament. And have you heard much of that from him? I'm uh, reasonably aware. Yeah. So his argument makes sense, even though, like, I don't know, it's just one of those things where that type of change seems scary to me. Yeah. And I've not really ever liked the play-in games. Yeah. The first four. I think if I was ever going to disagree with Coach Gates on literally anything, it was probably going to be this. His I, argument... Go ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, I feel like the current March Madness tournament is borderline holy. Yeah. And it should just not be messed with any anymore. So I think what he would say to that, from what I've heard in press conferences and stuff, is that sort of feeling around the tournament is relatively new. And le- up till very recently it was expanding as division one college basketball expanded Mm -hmm. just basically right alongside when there's new d1 programs the tournament expands a little bit and that there's been more d1 programs all along you know since the 64 teams or whatever yeah and so he's saying you know just keep up with the times sort of like uh you know keeping up with inflation sure sure that always ends well um yeah i think i mean i don't know making it a little bit bigger it's fine but i mean he's talking about significantly like doubling the size of it yeah i kind of just feel like it's currently in a good spot where it's like if you make the tournament you had a you had to have a good season yeah but it's still not like so difficult where it's like the college football playoff where there's four teams and there's only going to be like seven teams that make the playoff in its entire history because it's so difficult to do yeah i think the ncaa tournament is like a perfect mix of like um difficulty to make it like the specialness i can't disagree with you there and yeah i love coach gates and maybe he'll win me over to his side at some point but i'm not quite there yet but he's adamant he's gonna keep after it so i don't expect him to change his mind anytime soon it would just be so weird to see a bunch of like teams are like under 500 in the tournament yeah like that gets made fun of across all sports when there's like a team with a losing record in the postseason it's It's always always syracuse Syracuse. and they always go to the elite eight anyway yeah well maybe that's part of the argument (laughs) i mean i was the most pro 12 team college football playoff person in the world um but i don't know 68 teams is already a decent chunk yeah so anyway just play play more games not less sure i would be more in favor of more okay less but I like it as is. So looking at this Mizzou schedule, 
Um, we'll first just talk about the non-conference schedule, which is, I feel like, kind of, there's some polar opposites as far as the competition that Missouri will face. Um, I kind of broke it down like this. There's 13 non-conference games. Six of those 13 games are home games against teams ranked in the ranked 200th in Kimpom or worse. You could say it. Bad teams. Cupcake. Absolute cupcakes. Uh, these six games, you cannot lose. And if you have only won these six games when it comes to conference play, that's not a good sign. And I'll always remember the, I hate to even mention his name, but the Kim Anderson era. Consistently, we were always winning the minimum number of games in non-conference play. And it always like perfectly correlated to how the rest of the season would go. When we were winning less than 10 non-conference games, we were winning like five conference games. So when I'm looking at 13 non-conference games, got to win those six cupcakes at home. But then where it gets really interesting is these seven other games, Memphis and Wichita State at home, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, and Kansas as true road games, and then Seton Hall in Kansas City and Illinois in St. Louis. Those seven games are going to give us, I think, a really good picture of where this Mizzou team is at and what we can expect in conference play. Yeah, I feel like this is actually a very well-balanced like non-conference schedule where, yeah, you do have some just absolute cupcake uh like tune-up type games and then you have some very difficult true road games Mm -hmm. where kind of prepares you for conference season and then like you said some kind of just perfectly pick them type games that on neutral sites those are those are definitely fun college basketball games we can probably just run through it quickly though Um, arkansas pine bluff monday november 6th right around the corner is that the word that's the worst team they play according to bart torvik yeah, there's uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff, South Carolina State a little bit later, and Central Arkansas, the game right before conference play. Those are all 300-level Kempom teams, and those should be absolute blowouts, and we should get to see, like, you know, 12 or 13 different Mizzou players on the court in those games. Um, but... After Arkansas Pine Bluff, there is a home challenge against Memphis, who is a projected tournament team, and uh, they have hit the transfer portal pretty hard. They've got some good guys. I think they're ranked 32 in the preseason Kempom rankings, so that's going to be immediate challenge. And it just kind of goes back and forth from there. Um, SIU Edwardsville at home. Minnesota as the first true road game of the season. And if I'm looking at Memphis at home and Minnesota on the road, I would love to just split those two games. Yeah. You'd be happy going one and one. Yeah. Memphis is the tougher opponent, but we get them at home. Uh, Minnesota's triple digit Kimpom team, but it's a true road game. So I like that, you know, in the first 10 days of the basketball season, we're getting both of those challenges thrown at us. Are you happy with splitting those? Yeah. Which one do we do we win though? Uh, I think I think we win 
the road game. I think we go knock off Minnesota on the road and we get that early loss, second game of the season. We lose to Memphis at home, but that's one of those games where it's like, it's going to be a fun game to watch, I think, because it's like an early challenge to pretty good teams. And uh, I don't know. I just feel like you don't always get that so early in the non-conference season. Yeah. Yeah, I'll flip it. I'll say we'll beat Memphis and lose in Minnesota. Uh, it definitely feels like a classic split situation. Um, then uh, three home games in a row that should be wins. Jackson State, South Carolina State, Loyola, Maryland. Um, those are like you win all three of those 90% of the time. Um, then another true road matchup against Pittsburgh. It's so random. It's such yeah. a random team to play. Yeah. And the football team has decided, you know, we're never, we're no longer going like far out of our recruiting footprint for a true road game. And the basketball team doing that a little bit here. I think, is this the ACC SEC challenge? Yes, I think you're right. So they were, they were forced into it. That's true. That's true. But I, I mean, I, I, that's what I love about college football, college basketball specifically is there's so many games like, I don't know, you can afford to just play some super random games like this yeah. and like just kind of, I mean, I'm pretty sure Arkansas is hosting Duke, mm. which is just the most random match, like two teams to play. But like, it's super fun for the yeah, fans. Yeah, imagine getting to host Duke yeah. just because of the, one of these little SEC, like conference challenges. I mean, stay in the top of the conference for a little while and you might get your chance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then Missouri returns home. So this three game stretch here at Pittsburgh home against Wichita state, and then a road game in Lawrence, Kansas against the Jayhawks. So there's, um, and I'll just continue that into a five game stretch here because then you have this really cool back to back, uh, Seton hall in Kansas city. And then immediately you go to St. Louis to play Illinois. So that's five games in a row against the type of competition that Missouri is going to face in conference play. Pittsburgh, Wichita State, Kansas, Seton Hall, and Illinois. And, man, I don't know. Like, Wichita State at home should be a win. Um, but the, the rest of those like, two true road games and then Illinois, I don't know. That's going to just be a, a part of the season where we find out a lot about this team. Yeah. For sure, we're gonna know we're we're gonna know quite a bit going into conference season. I've you think them, they can get three of those five? Um, yeah, I've I've got them. Um, uh, are you including Pittsburgh in that? Yes. Yeah, I have them going three and two in that stretch. Okay. Losses to Pittsburgh and Kansas. Gotcha. Yeah, got to pick a win against Illinois. Absolutely. So I've uh, got them going ten and three in non-conference because they end it with a blowout win at home against Central Arkansas. 10 and 3, you have it with losses to Minnesota, Pittsburgh, and Kansas. Yeah. All true road games. I'm going to go with you, but I'm going to just keep that flip of we lose to Memphis but beat Minnesota. So 10 and 3 in the non conference. That sets us up nicely for um, the type of conference season where you don't have to do anything too crazy to put yourself in a position to make the NCAA tournament. And before we get into the conference schedule completely, like we're sitting here at 10 and three, you know, maybe this team shows us 
something special and we're 11 and two, uh, maybe they drop when they shouldn't have and they're nine and four, but somewhere around 10 wins in the non-conference schedule that to me, that lines up perfectly with a team who is going to be sort of on the bubble. Of course, it'll look like it'll depend on how they look in some of those matchups, but, um, anything, anything outside of like going undefeated and like challenging Kansas at their place. I don't know that we're going to be able to be riding too high off of this non-conference schedule. It would take a pretty incredible and unexpected start to the season for me to feel like, oh, wow, this Mizzou team is another top four in the SEC type of team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like if they went, you know, nine and four, 10 and three is kind of just without the nuance of knowing how the games went. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of just on par with your expectations. Yeah. So then um, before we go game by game here, um, is your mindset that this is like a bubble team or um, I feel like you can't really expect much more than that right now? Yeah, I would say that's um, actually somebody in the uh, YouTube comments left an, in- an interesting comment that I agreed with maybe last week. Mm-hmm. Uh and I can't even remember what it was off the top of my head exactly, but it was basically that the team could be better this season than they were last year, yeah. but have a worse record. Yeah. And I feel like that's that's a really good observation. Like, um, it did feel like we kind of stole some games last year. Yeah. Like the game, you know, the several buzzer beaters, mm-hmm. uh, overtime win. Oh yeah. yeah, it feel it did feel like we maybe were fortunate to have the record we had last year. Um, not that they were not deserving of it. Sure. But, um. I don't know that I don't think necessarily that they'll be better this year than last year, but that's a scenario that I could see playing out. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I w- I would say um maybe expect a little bit of regression like record wise, um and probably a bubble team. So then, um, to sort of like back our way into what the conference record would need to look like, I feel like you kind of need to go. 500 in conference play to feel good about your NCAA tournament situation. Like you win 10 games in the non-conference, you go nine and nine in conference play and you're sitting there with 19 wins on the season. And that uh, going 500 in the sec and having around 20 wins in the regular season, the last four or five years has been good enough to get you in the NCAA tournament. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, one exception would be like last year, Florida had a pretty good conference schedule or conference record, but their non-conference was just terrible. And so they didn't make the NCAA tournament, but I think like two teams lower than them in the SEC standings did. That's a bit of an outlier that doesn't usually happen. Um, so my sort of expectation is you just got to go 500 in conference play. Anything better than that is gravy. Um, they start off with a home game against Georgia. Uh, Georgia is probably going to be a little bit better this year, uh, but I still think you pencil that in as a win. That's a win. And then go to Rupp Arena to play Kentucky. Might as well pencil that in as a loss. I have it as a win. A win? I have some intel. About Kentucky, Kentucky? is fraudulent. Oh my goodness, you heard it here first. This season. 
That's a win. Okay. For Mizzou at Rep Arena. Okay. I like it. Come back home and play South Carolina. That's a win. Ken Palm's got them at 66. Yeah. That seems generous. Yeah. Yeah. I could see I could see that uh being lower or you know, being a worse number by the time Missouri plays them. Mm-hmm. Uh then okay, you don't get too crazy on me now. I won't. We're going on the road at Alabama. That's a loss. That's a loss. Uh, come back home to play Florida. It that's a fifty-fifty game, but I'm, I'm going to say win. Okay. Now Kim Palm has this little stretch that I'm about to rattle off as like a little bit of a danger mode. There will be a worse stretch, but yes, I agree. Okay. Back to back road games against Texas A&M and South Carolina. Yeah, I've got Texas A&M as a loss. And South Carolina is a win. Okay. So I think we'll sweep South Carolina. Sweep South Carolina. Interesting that we play them like twice within a few weeks. Yeah. That happens a couple other times here uh, with other teams. Uh, Then what I think is one of the bigger games of the season is a home game against Arkansas. Yeah. I have it as a win. Okay. I like that. We I just pencil it in. Home games against Arkansas, we win. On the road, we lose. And we just split every year. Yeah. There's no reason to do anything other than that. Uh, road game against Vanderbilt. Can we pull it off in that weird little uh, basketball arena? I think so. I think it's a win. I like that. Come back home to play... Now, here's a stretch right here. Okay, yeah, I'm seeing it. Come back home to play Texas A&M. I think it's a loss. I think stylistically, and I'll just tell you, the next game after this is a home game. Home game against Mississippi State. I think we lose them both. Stylistically, we just don't match up well with these teams that are like grind it out they have effective bigs that rebound and score inside just take the l and move on maroon maroon Maroon. adidas schools maroon adidas sec schools it's a loss yeah that's all you need to know yeah it makes sense to me i apologize uh then a winnable road game at ole miss i think ole miss might be sneaky good this year okay it's a loss okay then another huge matchup home game against tennessee it's a loss yeah I feel like uh, we probably used up all our luck in that uh, matchup last year. Yeah. Uh, road game at Florida. We are deep into conference play here. I think skipped Arkansas. Uh, sorry about that. A road game against Arkansas. You already, I, know, you already know my feelings? Yeah, I wanted to skip that. That's, yeah. <laughs> uh, so two back-to-back road games. We're going at Arkansas. We're going at Florida. Currently, I have them on a one, two, three, four, five, five-game losing streak. Yikes. And that includes Florida? Nope. Oh. But it will. Oh, okay. They will lose to Florida. <laughs> I just hadn't got there yet. Oh, so now it's six. <laughs> now I got gotcha. you. <laughs> uh, Florida is a team this season that I think is going to be kind of neck and neck with Missouri in the SEC standings. I'm looking at Florida. I'm looking at Mississippi State. I'm looking at Georgia, LSU. Like those are the improved those teams. are the teams that Missouri needs to kind of separate themselves from if they want to be in the top half of the league this year. So getting a road win against Florida would be huge, but that's going to be a tough a tough ask. I agree with you there. Uh, come back home to play Ole Miss. I think that's a win. So that ends the six game skid. Ooh, and that that's the type of thing that gets that would get me a little nervous. You know, we're those are games in February where it's like. If you're kind of uh, stumbling to the finish yes. line there. Trending down to yeah. end the year. Yeah. 
not a good look for your tournament resume. Just got to hope that you did enough work earlier in the season. Uh, And then a home game against Auburn. We're now into March. Home game against Auburn. Auburn's going to be pretty good. I say loss. Okay. And then ending the season, a road matchup against LSU. And I have this circled as like a game that is going to have pretty big ramifications for the SEC standings and the NCAA tournament. I think LSU and Missouri are going to be neck and neck in both of those races. I predicted loss because it's on the road. And it'll, I think I agree with you. I think it'll be two pretty evenly matched teams. So I'll just give the edge to the home team. What does that put your win total at? Uh, in conference, 8 and 10. Yeah. Uh, overall, 18 and 13, which is exactly what Bart Torvik has predicted. Yes. Uh, Ken Palm also has eight conference wins, uh, but a overall record of 17 and 14. What do you think? Is that get, This exact schedule, basically... Is that with these wins and these losses, is that good enough to get in? Eight, that, that's like true bubble. Eight and 10 is like you, we are crossing our fingers and very nervous on Selection Sunday. Just hoping for that like 10 or 11 seed. Yeah, that's a, maybe even you're in the first four situation. Um, that's like maybe last four in territory. Was there, um, let me look here. Last year in the SEC, Mississippi State was at 8 and 10 with 21 wins overall and they were an 11 seed in oh, the yeah. NCAA tournament. Was there there was an SEC team that kind of got snubbed and that was Florida? Yeah, Florida was 9 and 9. So okay. Arkansas was an 8 seed at 8 and 10 in conference play. That's true. And they ended up making a little bit of a run, didn't they? Yeah. Classic. Yeah. All the teams you hate are good. <laughs> that is life. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I don't know what game in particular, but I think this Missouri team gets one of those in the six game losing streak. Yeah. Give me one of those to give me a nine and nine record. It's such a grind. Conference season is just, yeah, I don't know. I just see Missouri sort of being in that blob of the middle of the conference where there's like just literally win a couple games that you shouldn't or lose a couple that you shouldn't and yeah. i mean you go from fifth place to 11th place real quick yeah that yeah or vice versa exactly and the sec is gonna have you know eight teams within two games of each other in the in the final standings it's been that way uh every year for like the last five years almost you have to hope that unless it's going to be missouri you kind of have to hope that an Alabama or a Tennessee or somebody just only has like two conference losses and is just destroying everyone to try to create a little separation there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I but I'm thinking that's uh, 500 in conference play and sneaking into the NCAA tournament, even if you're sort of like backing your way in, going to the tournament two years in a row would be i think big for the program to just Mm -hmm. kind of be like this is what a dennis gates down year looks like yeah in a weird way it feels like okay we we took the training wheels off for dennis gates in his first year he kind of uh you know had some some comfort ads with you know some of his guys from cleveland state some guys he's familiar with some guys that know his his uh, style of play and his coaching style 
And so he, you know, he he took what he was comfortable to him and it worked out really well. The second year, a lot of those guys are gone. It's almost in a weird way like a new beginning. So let's see how it goes. Yeah. And I think we'll have an answer to the question of like, it's easy to be like, oh, well, last year you had two pros. Yeah. But those guys were not pros before last year. That is true. So um, is there a guy on this team that can show you, hey, uh, we we do have a pro on this team? Yeah, I think it's probably Trent Pierce. That's the thing. So but, we need to, we might be just But I don't know of, if he's there yet, though. Exactly. Yeah. So we might just be uh, waiting for him to develop and be the pro player in college that can lead this team to the next level like Kobe Brown did. Yeah, yeah, I think he'll show you flashes this year, but maybe not be, he's not going to be Kobe Brown level of involvement in his freshman season. Now, if Missouri were to surprise everyone and have a special season again, to me, I do think that like Trent Pierce uh, being super impactful and like uh, freshman, like making like first team all freshman yeah. in the SEC yeah. is a must. And a much more well-rounded performance and like consistent performance from Noah Carter all season long yep. is a must. Yeah, basically he's going to have to continue to turn up his offensive game, which is what he does the best, mm-hmm. and just figure out how to stay on the court. Like, yeah. Just play good enough defense to stay out there. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm hoping, I mean, and that may be part of this roster construction with just some of these huge human beings that we have at that we can put in there at the five spot. Just rotate them in and out. Yeah, just, just kind of Get cover. a couple fouls and come out of the game. Yeah, cover up, uh, cover up Noah Carter a little bit, you know, help him out, and just let your guards kind of create havoc in the in the backcourt. And you may have something there defensively. I think we're in for another season where like the advanced metrics are going to be a little bit confused by Missouri's defense. If uh, it feels like what Dennis Gates needs is like uh, Jordan Butler and like some of the people, some of the guys in the recruiting class this year to be established as like your rim protectors and stuff. I just don't know that. Obviously, Connor Vanover can be an excellent rim protector, but I just don't know that he has the all-around game that's going to keep him on the court enough. I agree. And Trent Pierce feels like he is not a rim protector. No, he's going to take the stretch for like all-around offensive threat. He's going to sort of take that mantle from Noah Carter, and then you bring in some of these younger guys to protect the rim. So if, okay, yeah, they're just going to have to get creative again, like they were last year. Yeah with the interior and that's where i think uh you know uh carlero martin is like a sneaky guy who if you're gonna be like hey listen we're not if teams are getting to the rim they're probably gonna score so we're gonna outscore them by just having five guys on the floor that can make a three and space space everything out move run in transition and sort of mitigate those uh sort of like lean into your strengths and then just don't even worry about your weaknesses. That's kind of what they did last year. And I feel like they kind of take that strategy again. I totally disagree. I think he'll be playing point exclusively. What? I'm just joking. (laughs) He's got that in his skill set. I mean, I'm just joking. 
mainly though. I could see that they'll five percent point guard. They can get creative with them. Okay. <laughs> I, when he's Nick on the Honor's floor, gonna be playing forty minutes. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, when Carlyle uh, Martin's on the floor or uh, Vanover, it's not gonna look like a normal five spot guy, regardless of who else is out there. I, I'm still excited just to. I don't know. They, the The depth of the team is is sort of something that we haven't had in a while, where it's like there's going to be a combination of guys that should be able to get hot in any given game. We've got enough three-point shooters to make it work. You think uh, Noah Carter is your is our leading scorer? Leading scorer. Yeah. Yep. I could see it being a bit tighter than last year and more, maybe a little bit more even where there's like four or five guys around double figures. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, yeah, I mean it'll be it'll be really cool to see some of these non-conference matchups early in the season. I mean, literally right around the corner, the Memphis game um, is on the tenth. Minnesota's on the sixteenth, so we're gonna have opportunities to run up the score a little bit and have some fun in two of those games against uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff and SIU Edwardsville. When's Pine Bluff? That's the fifth, sixth, the sixth Monday. So before we record next, we yeah. will play a basketball game. Yeah. Arkansas Pine Bluff, uh, in the Ken Palm preseason rankings, they're ranked 339th. They're coming That's off better than somebody. Yeah, a few teams. Yeah, they're coming <laughs> off a 10-win season last year. So that's all the that's scouting a, report you're going to get. Double-digit wins. <laughs> that's all the scouting you're going to get on Arkansas Pine Bluff. Head coach Solomon Bozeman. That's it. <laughs> Nice job. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for the season. However, uh, we have a much more exciting game to talk about this week uh, other than preseason uh, hoops talk because your Missouri Tiger football team is ranked 12th in the college football playoff and the Georgia Bulldogs have been demoted, dethroned <laughs> from their number one Without spot. Without even losing. They didn't even lose, and they dropped a spot to number two because the first college football playoff rankings came out, like we talked about earlier. We've got Georgia at number two, so seven and one Mizzou at eight and zero Georgia. Just that's not going to happen every year. Yeah, so just soak this in. Maybe this that week. Now, maybe that will happen every year moving forward. It's not something maybe. we're used to. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to. Um, I don't want to scare you, Cameron, but. This is the biggest football game that Missouri has played in a decade. I've heard that a few times. Yeah. Since the... Ten years. Nine years, maybe? Yeah. That's a long time. A decade sounds better, even if it's, you know, fudging it a little bit. But since the uh, SEC championship game against Alabama that Mizzou kind of, like, backed their way into. Yeah. And that's such a strange season, losing to Indiana and then getting housed by Georgia. 34 to zero yes. but then still winning the east yeah bizarre season but we'll take it yeah I, I mean if you if you pull this game off we're talking about every game from here on out becomes like the biggest game you've had in a decade yeah <laughs> because of the opportunity that is in front of you yeah uh yeah it's just crazy i mean coach drink in his press conference was trying to i, I think he took the perfect angle with it that you know and he's been doing this 
ever since the Kansas State game. I mean, everything he has said in press conferences and stuff and everything I've heard from the players has just made me feel really good about this team. And he came out and said that, you know, people are acting like if we beat Georgia, then we've won the East. But that is just not true because there's three more SEC games after that. And obviously, um, two of them are against good teams. Uh, and then on the flip side, it's like if you lose this game, then there's nothing to play for after that, which, which is, is also not true. Not true. Yeah. So, yeah, you're still playing for, you know, a rare for Missouri 10 win season. Yeah. And like a, a New Year's Six Bowl appearance potentially. Yeah. So it felt really good to hear Coach Drink just sort of put that into perspective and be like, yeah, these are the two extremes. And obviously the truth in this situation is somewhere in the middle where this is a huge opportunity, but our season doesn't end after this game either way. Right. And if you, I feel like that's the type of attitude that you want from your team when as fans, we think they have a legitimate chance to win this game. Right. Yeah. I mean, you look through Missouri's somewhat recent history as games that stand out to you that you will remember for the rest of your life. Kansas in 07 and Oklahoma in 2010, mm-hmm. Texas A&M in 2012. Mm-hmm. This game is up there yeah. with that level of like legendary status Yeah, if we're able to pull it off. Yeah. And obviously that will depend on what happens after this, if that does happen. But um, we're just talking about things that just don't come around very often and we got to really really soak it up so this georgia team eight no but they their best win is a significant blowout of kentucky but a team that missouri also beat i think it's very clear that this mizzou team is the best team georgia has played this year by quite a bit yeah and they would they would agree with that yeah georgia would oh yeah well Kirby Smart was talking up this Mizzou team and the job Coach Drink has done. He was really talking them up in his press conference. I like that. What else is he going to do? But, yeah, they're really respecting their opponent in this one. Um, Just to run through Georgia's schedule a little bit, Georgia beat South Carolina 24-14. They beat Auburn 27-20. They beat Vanderbilt 37-20. Beat Kentucky fifty-one to thirteen, and they beat Florida most recently, forty-three to twenty. Yeah. So if you recall, um, both teams were undefeated whenever they played Kentucky, mm-hmm. and Kentucky looked pretty good. Um, and that was so that was a game that Georgia had to take seriously. Yeah. Um, it didn't look like they took South Carolina very seriously. Agree. But that's what I'm afraid of. Is like, oh, this is a good team. We have to play better we have to take this seriously we have to prepare and that is one of the most scary things about this entire game to me is the mindset of georgia coming in i agree with you however i don't think that missouri i mean it's easy for me to say because missouri beat kentucky already but missouri i uh see that's where like the pessimistic outlook for like the rest of the season creeps in a little bit still having florida and tennessee on the schedule and arkansas where technically anything could happen never know it's like uh this could be there's just like this little part of me that's like okay georgia exposes missouri 
and we just do Kentucky, but in November. We do Kentucky's October in November. Just kind of fall off the tracks a little bit. Yeah, get blown out and then, you know, lose a home game you shouldn't. Or, like, you can't get back up for the next big game afterwards. But Coach Drink's words in the press conference kind of make me feel a little bit better about that. Well, let me take you through the three mutual games that Georgia and Missouri have both played. They've both Georgia and Missouri have played against South Carolina, Kentucky, and Vanderbilt. Uh, you just kind of went over this, but South Carolina, but they beat South Carolina by 10. Mm-hmm. Missouri beat them by 22. Mm-hmm. Uh, they beat Kentucky by a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't even know. I can't even do that math in my head, but, <laughs> uh, and they beat, and Georgia beat Vanderbilt by 17. Missouri also beat Vanderbilt by 17. So uh, Georgia's got a plus minus differential of 65 points against those three teams, and Missouri has a plus 56 points. So they've really been pretty even when you look at the mutual opponents. Yeah. And really when you look at Georgia's offense and Missouri's offense, it's pretty similar. Yeah. Like they've kind of had similar seasons. Um, this is not your like old school uh, ground and pound Georgia team that you maybe have seen in the past. They really want to throw it around a lot. They're pretty explosive. They're very efficient. And I mean, they'll run the ball. That's that they can do that. But they average 340 pass yards a game. That's first in the SEC, in the, first in the SEC East, mm-hmm. uh, and 172, 172 rush yards, which is second in the SEC East. But um, so they will definitely be looking to just pass the ball all game long, whether they're winning or losing. Yeah, and obviously they're without Brock Bowers, so that hurts them in sort of like their efficiency right yeah a brock, bit. brock bowers like all american tight end yeah he was their leading receiver still yeah. is by yeah. 200 yards yeah. and, and didn't hasn't played for a couple weeks yeah so yeah that's that's a significant loss for them not having brock bowers and they kind of just have a bunch of dudes at wide receiver just uh nobody really standing out dominic lovett is actually their leading receiver as far as uh receptions and yards go if you take out brock bowers yeah yeah, it feels like the next like four guys, as far as pass catchers, are just kind of inter- interchangeable. Where yeah. none of them are like, none of them are like terrifying right. to look at on the roster, but they're all just very solid. Yep. And any one of them can beat you. Yeah, solid was definitely the word I'm thinking. I don't really think any of these guys are like elite. Mm. And Missouri's played much better wide receivers individually. Um, like Malik Neighbors and Xavier Leggett and some of those guys, I think are would all be the best wide receiver on Georgia's team yeah. easily. But yeah, Marcus Rose, uh, Rosamy Jack Saint, mm-hmm. Lad McConkey, those are those are names you know for sure. But I'm not sure any of those guys really scare you individually. Uh, and the backup for Bowers, Oscar Delp, he <laughs> has been making some plays uh, since he's been yeah uh, the starter. So yeah, he's playing the Washington role. I feel like kind of like the the uh, change of pace tight end that yeah. will just kind of come out of nowhere. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and the, the guy throwing them the ball, Carson Beck, is completing seventy three percent of his passes this year. Uh, two two thousand four hundred sixty two yards through the air, fourteen touchdowns, four interceptions, and his best play has been recently. Yeah, and it's it's I mean. If you're a Georgia fan, it's got to be, it's got to be nice to see him executing without Brock Bowers, who is was like the ultimate safety blanket for him. Yeah. Okay, trivia time. Okay. Do you know who Georgia's offensive coordinator is? I do. I know Mike Bobo. Okay. 
Good. Good job. Do you know where Mike Bobo played college football? Georgia? Yes. Okay. Do you know what position he played? Quarterback? Yes. Okay. Three for three. Oh, that's it. Great job. Okay. Thanks. You know Mike Bobo history. Oh, I know Bobo. I feel like he's he's pretty much only coached in the SEC. He's yeah. just he's just an SEC guy. Yeah. And we love him. And he was the Georgia offensive coordinator uh, way back when, like yeah. uh, under uh, whatever that guy's name was. Mark yeah. And uh, like Matthew Stafford days. Yeah. And they went to South Carolina. Yeah. Somewhere in there. He was head coach at Colorado State for a little bit. Like one season. It may be. Uh, we like Mike Bobo around here. Mike Bobo. Not this weekend. No. But every other weekend. Yeah. Um, Georgia's uh, rushing attack. Um, Edwards is the main guy. They have also got Kendall Milton. I just combined their stats, try to get a, an idea what we're dealing with here. Uh, on 144 carries combined, they're at 800 yards and 12 touchdowns. So either one of them can take it to the house. Both of them uh just like fall forward they're always just kind of getting that extra yard at the end of runs and i i feel like what i hope georgia does is try to establish the run and missouri is like no that that's the thing that we know we can slow you down and if you want to kind of make this an uglier game that's lower scoring i feel like missouri's okay with that as far as Missouri's defense. Yeah. And then they're like, yeah, our offense, we feel good about what we have on offense. So if you want to limit yourself by not going for as many explosive plays, I feel like that plays right into Missouri's hands a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I feel like there's opportunity in the pass rush because I mean, we just, we, I mean, we went toe to toe with LSU. I think uh, Jaden Daniels is, probably the best player in the country he's probably like if you if the season ended today he's probably winning the heisman yeah um potentially or he's he's uh, he's attending the ceremony for sure for sure and he is so so versatile and just a completely polar opposite player from carson beck i'm so less afraid of beck and like his ability and i mean he's good he, i mean he will he's very precise mm-hmm. he's got a, a cannon for an arm but he's a statue yeah. And that just takes away an entire dimension of your offense whenever you don't have to spy the quarterback every play, be worried about him escaping the pocket, because I just don't think that's what he's going to do. Um, I really think Missouri's defense has a has a, a good opportunity to look pretty impressive in this game. Yeah, the only thing that worries me there is I think Georgia's offensive line will be the best one we've seen so far. Sure. And um, what Missouri's defensive line was able to do against south carolina and kentucky i just it's not going to come as easy in this game sure and it feels like for to get through and like sack carson beck like once per half i feel like is a win like sack him twice in a big spot and that you're going to need a couple of those to change the game and but just enough pressure consistently to make him speed up just a little bit is going to be huge. But I, if it goes poorly, like if Georgia's offensive line is up to the task, then it's going to be a long day for the for the Missouri defense. I think. I think mm-hmm. we'll see. I think we'll see Beck just kind of sitting back there and 
waiting for a guy to inevitably come open. Yeah. Yeah, that might be the key of the game is what can the defensive line do? Because I'm confident in Missouri secondary up to a point where right. you nobody, no secondary can keep up their coverage for, you know, when a quarterback's just sitting back there and has all the time in the world. Yeah. Yeah, I think the scariest thing to me about Georgia's offense is how um, they're just clutch. Like, they're really um, efficient. Yeah. They are third in the country in third down uh, con- conversion, conversion. Yeah. percentage at 56%. Sheesh. 56% of the time they're converting on third down. Uh, and Missouri already played the team that's best in the country, yeah, right? LSU, LSU. Is, was like 59% or something like that, which is, uh, it felt that, well, it felt like that yeah. in the game. Yeah, that's the Jaden Daniels effect. Exactly. Yeah. But that, I mean, that's just, and we talked about it after we played LSU, that was just demoralizing mm-hmm. whenever you feel like you, um, you know, play pretty well on first and second down, and then you give up a third and 13, and it just, yeah, whatever. So Missouri's got to get off the field on third down, which that is easier said than done against Georgia. Uh, and then in the red zone, they have scored in 42 out of 46 trips to the red zone. That in- includes field goals, but that's just efficiency, man. And that that's they're well coached. They don't turn the ball over a lot. They don't get a lot of penalties. You're gonna have to figure out a way to to create some havoc plays to yeah. to mix things up a little bit, make them get out of out of sync a little bit. One thing that Missouri's defense has been doing recently. Uh, more so than earlier in the season is sort of forcing teams to slow things down a little bit and methodically drive down the field. Uh, you know, you're, we need to force Georgia into, you know, 10, 11, 12 play drives. If you're, they're going to score a touchdown, it can't come in like three plays. That's just not, that's going to be a disaster. I think because, Missouri's offense, maybe maybe I'm wrong about this, but Missouri's offense, I think, will have opportunities. And I think I think it's going to be a little bit extreme for Missouri's offense. I feel like we're going to be either sort of sputtering on the negative side of the field and having to punt. But I think when Missouri gets some momentum on a drive, they'll capitalize. And I found this random stat, but Georgia ranks 124th in defensive red zone touchdown rate. So that's a weakness for this Georgia defense. If Missouri can get into the red zone. They break, don't bend. Exactly. So (laughs) got to break them open a couple times. Yeah. And um, I feel like what we've seen from Missouri's offense outside of like the first couple drives of games is – getting those chunk plays in the middle of the field, like around the 50-yard line, when you get that 30-yard toss to Luther Burden, when you get a broken tackle, when you get Theo Weiss outside, then it's just like we're watching this Mizzou offense. Maybe they've punted once, and they've handed it off a few times, and then you just get that strike for 15 to 30 yards down the field, and then it's like, okay, now now we're rolling. We're getting into our hurry up, and... So far, Missouri's offense this year has been able to turn those into touchdowns. Going to need touchdowns, not field goals. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to have to take some risks and find ways to create sparks. I mean, I don't think – I think Georgia would agree with this too. I mean, Luther Burden is the most talented player in this game for either team. Yeah. 
I'm he's going to be the best player on the field. And Georgia knows that. They recruited him. They wanted him really bad. Yeah. And so they know all about him. Yeah. And they're going to do their best to try to take him away. We got to, yeah, I, you know, I don't know. Do you, do you try to just keep forcing it to Luther if things don't work right away? Or do you try to find other ways to get other people involved? I don't think you can win it without Luther Burden being really involved. Yeah, but you can't force anything. Uh, that just sounds like a recipe Desper- for disaster. Desperation. Yeah. yeah. Every it, we, If it looks like we're forcing things, then I'm scared. Yeah, because, I mean, we saw Luther Burden kind of disappear against Kentucky. Didn't really matter. Right. It will matter against Georgia. Yeah. So going to have to find ways to, to uh, I mean, he's probably going to be facing some double coverage and stuff like that. So going to have to be smart. Is there an aspect of the game as far as like a matchup or something? Give me the the aspect of the game that you feel most confident in Mizzou looking good. Hmm. I'll probably say um I'll probably say Mizzou run game. Okay. I think um the offensive line's been playing really well. They've been creating a lot of holes for Cody Schrader mm-hmm. and nobody else because nobody else plays. Mm-hmm. I think Cody Schrader will play 110% of the snaps. Mm-hmm. And I think that healthy. Be, I think yeah. By week got everybody healthy. Yeah. Cody Schrader will be playing a lot and I I think um he'll uh I think he'll have over 100 yards rushing. Two touchdowns. This might be a little uh, I don't know, esoteric or something, but uh I feel confident that during the bye week Coach Drink and Kirby Moore have identified some things, you know? What those are exactly, I don't know, but I am definitely confident. Maybe I'm even more confident in Kirby Moore than Coach Drink. Although, Coach Drink, 4-0 after a bye week. Who did they play? I don't know. Don't ask. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. 4-0 after a bye week. Okay. That's Uh, something. I feel like I have some confidence in them to be pouring over Georgia film and having, you know, oh, when we get this look from their defense, I think we've got this or this, mm-hmm. you know? And I... Uh, Shout out random analysts who are up all night yes. studying Georgia. Yes. Um, you know, I feel like coming off the bye week, there's opportunity there to... There's got to be some plays in the back of their minds that on offense, at least, uh, they've sort of had in their back pocket or there's a new wrinkle to a few plays that they can implement that sort of give Georgia a look that they've seen before, but then we do something else out of it. And I feel like there's going to be some big plays from Missouri's offense that will be a result of identifying some of that stuff in the bye week. Over under 0.5 double passes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> give me the under. Okay, that's probably a nice conservative <laughs> bet. I don't... <laughs> How legendary would that be if they just ran the, what was it, what's it called, the Colt 45? Yeah. They just run that again and it works. I mean, you throw the ball to Luther Burden at the sideline and he launches it to Theo Weiss. He's bringing all the defenses coming in if he catches the ball on like a little horizontal pass. Yeah. If they, if they. Marquise Johnson's definitely catching it deep, right? That's actually a good point. Yeah. Ooh. Might have to try it. That would be the most legendary thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, you know what we haven't seen out of Coach Drink offense in a while? The flea flicker. Oh, okay, yeah. They they did that. It worked a few yeah. times against yeah. LSU mm-hmm. in whenever that was, to 2020. Yeah. 
that 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 feels like that flea flicker worked yeah. more than it should have though <laughs> and like eventually it just stopped working it's like okay we'll forget that oh yeah offensive line is good enough to hold you yeah could, you could see a flea a flea flicker this weekend yeah i feel like you're, you're, you're gonna confident see in the offensive line something weird you I talked so. about them making holes for Schrader. I you think, feel like they protect Brady Cook well in this matchup? Yeah, I mean, uh, they have to shake the random like penalties and like horrible moments. That's probably where I feel like least confident is just the penalties and stuff like that. But um, at this point, yeah, I think I think I trust them even against Georgia's front. I think they'll be all right. I do, I mean, I really do like Georgia's defense is probably a little bit better than Missouri's, but like honestly, like. I see Missouri. I see Missouri and Georgia as like pretty similar teams. Yeah, this season. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Georgia's defense is not the defense. Georgia's team is not the team from last year that went undefeated. Correct. That Missouri had on the ropes. They're still like a national championship quality team and are significantly worse than they were last year. Yeah, and I would argue they are a little bit worse than two years ago. Yeah, as well. Oh, for sure. Ugh, but they won 25 games in a row. 25 games. The last time Georgia lost a home game was October 2019, a double overtime 20-17 to 17 loss to South Carolina. And was that, I think we've talked about this before on the show, but was that the game that we were watching like on your phone while we were at the Mizzou basketball open practice? It could have been. Does that timeline line what, up that, what that year would that have been 2019 october 2019 yeah, that was it okay because that would have been a homecoming weekend yeah. where missouri beat Ole Miss. yeah and yeah and we, we were at the open practice that yes. was like the most boring thing you've ever seen in your yeah, life it was uh we went to mizzou madness the year before that was like electric and so fun yeah. and then <laughs> and it was uh like okongo like yes what, dribbling the ball around yeah we watched some shoot free throws yeah it was still kind of fun but not quite mizzou madness right yeah so that was a long time ago that was the last time they lost a home game Wow. That's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about all time streaks. Like yeah. it's up there. Yeah. Like especially in modern day football. I was actually looking up some of the longest streaks in college football history. And a lot of them are like the eighteen hundreds and stuff like that. Like literally like Civil War days. Uh yeah, like the Virginia Commonwealth winning like forty nine games in a row. Yeah. Uh anyways. So what they're doing in like the modern day is basically unheard of and that's why i want to be the one that ends the streak (laughs) (laughs) oh man um but missouri out of all the sec teams is there anybody less scared to go to athens georgia and beat them between the hedges playing with house money nothing to lose we've done it before we'll do it again absolutely nothing to lose nobody saw missouri starting off seven and one well, some people in our YouTube comments saw it. That's true. <laughs> Shout out to them. Unironically. Um, Missouri's going to win this game. The streak ends this weekend. Yeah. this Missouri is not scared of Georgia. They Last year, we they are who we thought they were, and we let them off the hook last year. We're not letting them off any hooks this year. Not going anywhere. I think Missouri wins this game. I think we've got a healthy Ennis Rakestraw and KAD back there. They're going to lock them down. They're going to see this as a challenge. Now, Oscar Delp, he's going to make a few plays. (laughs) 
There is nothing you can do about Oscar Delp. Oscar Delp Delp is going to be... Here's a prediction for you. Oscar Delp is going to be the leading receiver for Georgia, and that's a good thing for the Missouri Tigers. In a parallel universe where Georgia wins this game, I do feel like it's neck and neck, and then Lad McConkie just play, makes the most clutch catch in the corner of the end zone you've ever seen. He's good. He is so annoyingly good. Yeah. But that's, that's a different universe Yeah, than the one we're in. In this universe, Chris Abrams' Strain is going to get his fifth interception or Rakestraw get his first of the season? Absolutely. They're going to pick off Carson Beck. We're going to get one huge sack in the first half, one huge sack in the second half. Brady Cook's going to play out of his mind. You like Schrader to go over 100 yards. I'm with you. Missouri's going to win this game 29 to 26. I think both teams are going to try to feel things out a little bit. Both teams are going to maybe start out a little bit conservative. They Both teams maybe don't want to be the first team to make a huge mistake. Missouri will go three and out on the first drive. That's Please just, win the toss and defer. Yes. They, I mean, just write that in. But after that. If they win the toss, if Missouri wins the toss and defer and defers, I mean. It's over. Game over. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I think Missouri wins this game on a Mevis field goal, 34-31. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. I'm so excited for this game. I haven't been this excited for a Mizzou football game since... I was pretty excited for the LSU game because we were going to it. I can't stop smiling just even on this podcast talking about it. Yeah. I've watched the highlights of the 2013 game, I don't know, maybe 10 times (laughs) over the course of the bye week. Man, the bye week was painful. Yeah. it felt like an eternity. Yeah. Luckily, there was like enough little, I mean, like the college football playoff rankings coming out. Some of that stuff was like, okay, uh, let's, it's given me something to latch on to here. But mostly it was highlights that I was watching. And it's still, I'm still on the uh, random SEC coach press conference viewing oh, yeah. schedule. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's appointment television. Yeah, what I was got- Kirby saying? He was talking us up. Yeah, he was very complimentary of everything we got going on, and um, but in a in a somewhat generic way, to where it felt you know it's it's a little bit coach speaky, and I don't know. I feel like uh, nothing groundbreaking. No, I don't know what I want out of like the media around this game. Part of me wants just everybody to. I think not part of me. I want everybody to pick Georgia. Please, I know it's like they got demoted to number two, playing number 12. It's hard to overlook that. But, you know, if the media, just everybody picks Georgia, maybe they could uh, overlook it a little bit. It's going to be a win. Streak ends. Saturday. Man, the celebration, the partying that would happen. Mizzou Twitter is going to be so lit. You just picture, just picture Cody Schrader ripping off a 25-yard touchdown in the fourth quarter to just tie like a, the game. It's reminiscent of Henry Josie. Mm. Mm. Not the last game of the season, though. That's true. Still going to be a lot of work to do after Missouri wins this one. That is true. Missouri wins this game. They jump to 
Sixth? Sixth? Will they be the top one-loss team in the college football playoff? I haven't looked at it that closely. I asked that question on Twitter. A lot of people were saying sixth. Mm. Ohio State, State, Michigan, Florida State, Washington would be undefeated. Oregon has only lost to Washington. Texas, right in there. Fifth or sixth. Yeah. Somebody said, uh, somebody on Twitter said we would go down two spots. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Still a lot to play for either way. Let's go get this win. This, if it, if it's going to happen, it, it would be Luther Burden showing up, Brady Cook basically playing flawless. Like yeah. he, he's throwing the ball away when he needs to. Yeah, don't get he's, me wrong. They're going to have to play a near perfect game. He's going to have to use his legs some. And that may be something that they've schemed up a little bit during the bye week. Yeah, that, seem, that feels like a little bit of a secret weapon that they mm-hmm. really haven't unleashed as much as I thought they would this year because they just, I mean, he's been passing better yeah. than I expected. But in some, in some of those clutch moments, though, he's kind of scrambled and it's he's gotten some long touchdowns and stuff. I could definitely see him utilizing the legs a little bit more. I feel like I'm just waiting for this, like, for something to just confirm it to us that they're going to win, like, right now as we're talking. We're due. <sighs> we've had a lot of, I mean, we were talking about this before we started recording a little bit. Like, we've, we've had some, some uh, of these types of moments where there's a lot of buildup, there's a lot on the line, and it hasn't gone well. Yeah. And, like, really badly. Yeah. actually <laughs> yeah and maybe in both sports but i think i can i can see a scenario where that all changes and georgia's due for a loss like the most due anybody's ever been for a loss <laughs> overdue even yeah you could say that missouri's gonna get that win and uh gonna be a close game gonna be an all-timer all-time classic mizzou game yep remember it for the rest of our lives you'll remember where you were oh yeah we're getting together we are. Oh, yeah. The power of the power, MSP brotherhood. Power of MSP. That's what, that's what they've been missing. It'll, they will feel it. All right. What? Uh, no other games. I mean, everything else this week just like pales in comparison to this matchup. But, you know, we'll, we'll mention them regardless. We'll pick the rest of the games, I guess. They all just feel so irrelevant. But I'm sure Alabama LSU totally agrees. <laughs> I mean, I mean, come on. Yeah, that's like, come on. We're talking barely, Missouri, Georgia. Barely any national title implications there. What three losses between them? Oh yeah. Better so. The other matchup of one loss between them. Do the math. Yeah. Already. Last <laughs> week. Shut up already. <laughs> last week, Cameron got five points. Kyle got five points. I got three points. Guest pickers got five points. Bringing our season totals to Cameron has 51. Kyle has 53. I have 54. Guest pickers have 54. Oh, Brian. It's tightened up. Big week. Legendary week for the guest pickers. Big week for us, too. Congratulations, Kyle. Hey, thank you. We're making up some. Likewise. Yeah, thanks. What do we got this week? Our guest picker this week is Matthew. Welcome in. See you on the gridiron, Matthew. 
First game this week is Arkansas at Florida. Florida is a six-point favorite. Uh, I'm kind of interested in this game as far as, like, uh, Arkansas fired their offensive coordinator. It's about is it, time. Is this the first game they played since that? I believe so. Dan Enos? Yeah. He responded to Never heard of emails. Him. Never heard of him. I mean, basically. Wait, exactly. didn't he even make it one season? He didn't he already play. He was uh, he played. He doesn't. He the former offensive coordinator for Arkansas, and he came back. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> Give me Florida in this. Florida, easy. Florida, Florida all around. Yeah, easy pick. Next up, we have Jacksonville State at South Carolina. South Carolina is a fifteen and a half point favorite. Well, a sneaky game there. I often see clips of Shane Beamer on my Twitter timeline. It's kind of become a weekly tradition at yeah. this point. It's like you got to tune in to see what Shane Beamer's mm-hmm. going to say. He said his team, you would have thought they were in the Super Bowl the way they were practicing. That's a big thing. That's a big <laughs> thing for coaches. It's even bigger for Shane Beamer is how your teams practice. You know, those legendary pre-Super Bowl practices everybody always hears about. Yeah. And so, for that reason, I must pick South Carolina. I'll take South Carolina. They're on South a South Carolina all around. Wow. Man. You're in Super Bowl practice mindset. I'm glad we've already played them. Yeah. <laughs> Next up is UConn at number 17, Tennessee. Tennessee is a 35-and-a-half-point favorite. Now, that is just overkill. 35-and-a-half. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. You shouldn't be allowed to schedule that kind of game in That's November. disrespectful. Uh, yeah, Tennessee will probably win. I agree. Tennessee all around. Uh, Shane Beamer, though. Sorry, I got to go back to this. Absolutely. I, if they move on from him, I will legitimately be sad. I will miss him every day of my life. It's a good guy. Yeah. Just a good family man. What's he? What's he? Is he like defensive, offensive minded? Special teams. He's Beamer Ball. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. He specializes in Beamer Ball. So he'll show up. Which we still don't know what it is. He'll show up some other place. He could. He. You know what? I could see him going to Alabama, trying to bring them a little bit of Beamer ball really? if he gets fired. You think so? Yeah. Send him down to coach rehab. Now, I'm speaking a little too soon there. He's still the head coach of South Carolina. so, And I hope for the foreseeable future. I bet he has one more season mm. after this. I would, I'm not even joking. I would genuinely miss him. <laughs> He'll end up somewhere. Oh, yeah. Texas A&M at number 10, Ole Miss. Ole Miss is a three-point favorite. Pretty big ramifications for the old SEC West in this one. You don't like that that number. It, you, you were scowling at only three points there. Yeah, I felt like that. I think, uh, I think this is Ole Miss pretty easily for me. Where's the game? Ole Miss. Yeah, I'll take Ole Miss. I'll take Texas A&M. Matthew takes Ole Miss. Okay. Okay. On an island. Yeah. Producer Cameron. Island boy. It's where he's most comfortable. True. It's where Mm -hmm. he does his damage. It's where he does his best work. Next up is Auburn at Vanderbilt. Auburn is a 12 and a half point favorite. Has Vanderbilt won an SEC game this year? No. Is this their best opportunity? At home against Auburn? Uh, I play Kentucky. 
Ooh, shots fired. Yeah, they've already played Kentucky and oh. lost. Oh. <laughs> yeah, give me Auburn. Auburn. Matthew takes Auburn. Cam's got that look in his eye. About to do something crazy. Give me Vanderbilt. Oh. Let's go. You got to get five points if you win that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, game of the week. Number 14, LSU at number eight, Alabama. Alabama is a three-point favorite. Game of the week. For SEC Pick'em. Bro, we just oh, talked oh. about Mizzou, Georgia for like an hour. <laughs> for this, for this as segment. As soon as I said that, I knew you were going to have something to say about it. For this it. segment that specifically does not include the Mizzou, Georgia game. It is yeah. game of the week. I, I get you. I got you. I got yeah, you. We're not by, so. Um, <laughs> what's the line, sorry? I was already. Three. It's at Alabama. In favor of Alabama. LSU. Give me LSU. Matthew takes LSU. Ah, okay. Give me Put, Bama. Ooh, Kyle on an island. I like that. That's going to be devastating if LSU wins that for yeah. the sake of the points. Yeah. All right. Last and certainly least, Nebraska at Michigan State. Nebraska is a three-point favorite. That's incredible. And I'll take Nebraska. Yeah, I got to go Nebraska. Michigan State, awful. I'll take Nebraska. <laughs> Matthew takes Nebraska. We're all on Nebraska? Yeah. First time ever? It might Probably. be. Probably. In a Big Ten game, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I They deserve it, though. Yeah, I mean, Michigan State. It's all just Michigan State. Yeah, they're doing, like, self-imposed death penalty, basically. <laughs> <laughs> That's how yeah. bad they are. <laughs> Uh, All right, that's that. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, Missouri's going to beat Georgia. We're manifesting it. We're dreaming of it. We're speaking it into existence. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $10 level and above. Britt Treese, Brian Smith, Ryan Deemore, Tristan, Ben Smith, Parker, Daddy JD, Tim Keatons, Tyler Harsel, Brandon Groffle, Brandon Hanks, Matthew Tilly, Ty- Louis Hernandez, and producer Cam Fan. Thank you. Thank you very much, gentlemen. We love you very much. You can find this podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or on Twitter at Missouri Sports Pod, and you can email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com. You can find our t-shirts and stickers on our online shop, MissouriSportsPod.BigCartel.com. Thank you, everyone for, li- everyone, for listening. We will see you next week after a win. <laughs>